0: Hey everybody David Michael Phelps here welcome to another episode of Working Man and this episode is one I have been waiting for for literally months to be able to do. Our guest today is Kyle McCarthy. Kyle has spent the better part of the last decade traveling hither and yon to manufacturers all over the country as a field tech installing and repairing manufacturing equipment and that's a job he did until last week and then something happened this past Monday this past Monday Kyle took up a new position as the director of manufacturing technology at a little trade school in Michigan called Harmel Academy of the Trades. In this show, you'll get to know Kyle a little bit, what drives him, why maintenance is often unappreciated in manufacturing and in day-to-day life, and you'll learn a few parallels between keeping a shop running and keeping your spiritual life tuned and healthy. And what's more, you're gonna see why we are so excited, uh, thrilled, over the moon, nay, agog, that Kyle has joined the team here at Harmel and will be leading the charge of training the next generation of Catholic tradesmen. So without further ado, here is Kyle McCarthy.
1: Yeah, I'm 28 years old. I've been in the machine tool or manufacturing industry for about eight years now, you know, started uh started off as a cleaner in a tool and die shop and worked my way up to maintenance and then worked my way to field service um and then you know looking forward to you know teaching them how to do it so
0: now i think a lot of people um probably don't know i found that a lot of people unless they have any recent experience in manufacturing say don't understand what manufacturing is like today right, right um and i think probably even less people understand what maintenance and field service in that sort of world looks like and means so when you said you have all this experience in machine maintenance
1: and field service i think a lot of people don't know what that means well explain it so uh, manufacturing i mean definitely people have watched that uh, show how it's made um which is a great show recommend it um but it kind of does catch you know some of the older stuff. Um, but you know, maintenance really means it depends on the shop. I found in field service, you go in and go, hey, you want I want the maintenance guy, you know, you gotta talk to him. Well it's just a janitor that cleans the bathrooms, but he's considered maintenance. Um so maintenance can be a wide term in a in manufacturing, but basically you're there to keep the machines running. Most shops, I'll say, do a good job of preventative maintenance. Some shops the maintenance guy is a fireman for lack of a better term go around and oh that machine's down gotta go fix that one oh the next fire happened next machine's down you know so um but we uh i was in maintenance at a tool and die shop for four years and that's basically how we ran we were trying to get it to a better preventative maintenance but we were kind of firefighters you know we would come in have a plan go, all right this is our plan for the day and then 20 minutes after that plan was made it was completely dismantled and we were doing what we had to do to keep the, keep the machines running. So, um, which is anything from, you know, we, even, even maintenance and the tool and die, we were, we, you know, worked on the bathrooms and we worked on the facility as well. We were doing, we do all the things to keep that shop running, you know, which some places they hire out a lot of that stuff, you know, HVAC is, you know, heating and cooling. That's a separate company. Um, Plumbing, you know, we did hire quite a bit of it out too, but we did also the initial like, Hey, we got to go get this running. Okay. We got it running here. Let's hire it out now. So, um, but yeah, then field service came along and it was a change for me because you're only concerned with what they've told you to come in and work with, uh, for the most part, some customers go, Hey, I have you here. I want you to fix everything. And you say, no, 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 can't happen. But, uh, but for the most part, you know, the customer calls in, goes, "Hey, we need a guy out here." And you say, "Okay." And then they send you out there. And you start looking at just the one problem that they have given you. And in contrast to maintenance in-house maintenance, you can be looking at that one issue, but you know that there's 37 more issues lurking around the corner, you know. It's it's just to have, you have this feel of like, "Ooh, what's going to happen next?" when you're field service you kind of just get to settle in and go to that groove and just work on that one machine it's actually kind of really nice <laughs> when mm-hmm. especially coming out of it now it's kind of been such a long time that it's it's not as nice of a feeling anymore but yeah so field service you take on that that one problem that they give you or install a new machine that was a big part of the field service industry is Hey, we bought a machine. We need a guy come install it for us. Okay, you go out, install it, get it running for them, and then you know, let them give them the keys, so to speak, and let them drive. You know, there you go. It's all yours. So,
0: what is it that sort of drew you to maintenance? I mean, what is it about yourself or about the work itself that you felt was a good fit for you?
1: All right, let's let's explain how I got into maintenance at the tool and die shop. Because I started out as a cleaner, um, you know, just sweeping floors, mopping, taking trash out the basic stuff. Um, I was put into an area which was called the rough roughers, which usually make these huge metal chips and you got it. You have to have people back there taking care of them. There's no conveyor on these type of machines or those type of machines. They are conveyors on machines, but um, we were, we were back there. I was back there and uh, it was a slow day back there. One machine was running versus the three that I normally have to take care of. And it was running a semi small chip and it wasn't building up as quick. So I was kind of, what what, what do I do? And then maintenance was working on the other one. So naturally being curious, I just went over there and started talking and working with him. At, you know, hey, do you need me? Can I do anything? And as, you know, we started working together, I was asking questions and he goes, here, you take off this cover and put the screws over here. I'll be back. Okay, no big deal. Thought he had to go to the bathroom or something. Took off the cover, you know, did what he asked, and then he came back and goes, "Sweet, we can have you." I was like, oh, "What do you What do you mean? Can have me?" Like, he goes, "I just talked to the foreman, and um, he said if you want to, you can be part of maintenance, and we can train you." He's like, "I really like the questions you're asking and your your line of thought on this process that we're doing, and we've been looking for somebody to train." And he g- he gave me that opportunity he said now you can say no and he can put you you know as a machinist or as a mold maker um you know this kind of gives you a little bit of freedom to plan your own fate at the shop you know it's you know you're not getting told you can do one thing or other they're asking you so i thought about it and i said i really don't want to clean anymore <laughs> <laughs> so uh, little did i know there's a lot of cleaning in maintenance there's it didn't get away from cleaning um but yeah, so I, I decided to uh, go ahead and join them and, you know, it really kind of found that I had the right mindset for troubleshooting and, you know, probably was a little bit of the troubleshooting skills I had from the computer shop when I was younger. So it was, it was, it just kind of, it just kind of fit, you know, I don't think it was necessarily that I was drawn to it or it kind of just fell in my lap. And, uh, you know, as we're going and especially to the, the guy that was training me, him and I thought oh, so alike, we would arrive at the same conclusion with the same information, which mm. is really weird. He would, you know, I'd come up to a machine that he's been working on and he would just prevent the facts that he has. And, you know, the same ones that he was given and he asked me, you know, what do you think? And I would go, hey, it's this, you know, that's what I was thinking. You know, it wouldn't be a collaboration necessarily. It would be like, hey, I'm I'm leaning towards this, but what do you think? It was more of he wanted to see if I would arrive at the same conclusion with the same facts, and for the most part, we did. It was it was eerie, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. We just we worked good together. I don't know. Um, and you know, he trained me and he taught me a lot. You know, and then I started going to GRCC and learning there and really, really liked picking up what I learned at GRCC. I was, I was actually disappointed when I moved into field service because I was actually in the middle of a controls class at GRCC and I was actually getting into stuff I was really interested about, you know, learning this kind of side of it. And then I took the job as field service and I had to quit halfway through. So I was kind of, I was like, oh man, we're just getting to. the Stuff I want to get into, and I have to, you know, put that down and go to another, you know, another job, which I, I learned so much at the other job as well. I'm not disappointed, I guess, but, you know, I guess I can learn more, but yeah, you can always, you never stop learning. Yeah. You never. So,
0: yeah, it seems to me too that the, what people don't appreciate about maintenance, again, you, you hear maintenance and you think janitor, right? Mm-hmm. And, janitor is a super important job, right? Oh, it's a job um, that no
1: one really wants to do either. That That's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. But, you know, but you notice it when it's not done or it's not oh, done well. 100%. You know? yep. but people tend to think of it like that. And what people don't tend to think about is all the, you might say, creative ingenuity that went into engineering or designing or building machine and all the know-how that you have to have in order to understand how to run a machine. Those are fine things, but someone's got to be the keeper of where those two things come together, right? How the thing was built and how it ought to run. Yep. And Mm. I think a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people these days, especially really privilege, you might say, the type of creativity to build something or invent something. But very few people take the time to consider that maintaining that thing also takes a sustained creativity. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not just that you invent the thing we're used to in thinking like, oh, wow, an iPhone. What an amazing thing. And now my expectation is that it should always work
1: exactly perfectly forever and ever. Amen. And that's a lot of people's mentalities in a shop, too. I mean, the owner says, I got this. That's a lemon. Well, you didn't you didn't grease it for 10 years. You know, it's (laughs) like, of course, the thing's going to fall apart. You guys didn't take care of it. Yeah, it's I, I, I agree with that statement a lot. Yeah, it's it's funny how many people are like, "Oh, you mean we have to do things to it after we get it?" You know, and I always bring it back to automotive because a lot of people can relate to that um, because a lot of people have cars or at least have been in a car. Yeah, and um, I I really doubt a lot of people have seen CNC machines. Um, I know I didn't until I walked into that building that day and was like, "Whoa, what are these things?" But Heck, a lot of people don't even know what tool and die is. You know, I, I remember telling that to somebody and they said, is that a hardware shop? Like, mm-hmm, do you work mm-hmm. at a hardware store? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't work at Ace Hardware. No, no it's this- a gaming shop. <laughs> you know, dice, right? You know I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't understand it. So you got to bring it back to something they can understand. And, you know, you tell them, hey, you drive your car, right? tells you to get your oil changed every 3,000, which most people don't. But, you know, you go get your oil changed for the most part pretty regularly. Or you're going to wreck your car. Why won't you do it with your machine? You know, if it says, hey, every so often change this oil in this part, most people go, no, nah, that's fine. Like, if you did that with a car, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, but um, yeah, you got to bring it back to things that they understand. And then also a lot of people just don't do maintenance. I don't know why. <laughs> That's And that's why we were firefighters, so to speak, at the tool and die shop is we, they got away from preventative maintenance and that's why we couldn't do anything. You know, we would try to do it, but breakdowns would happen and prevent us from doing what we, you know, it was hard to get back behind, you know, we were behind the eight ball, so to speak, and it was hard to get back to it. You know, it's, you know, you, you always play catch up. You can not never get in front of it to stop it or, you know, and every time we did, it always, bit us, so to speak, because a machine would break at the same time. And then now we have two down and the foreman, Ooh, Hey, I got to have these around, you know, we need, we need throughput. So what I get, you know, I get that because money, we got to make money too, you know, or the shop has to make money. And that's the one thing about maintenance, why it's kind of always got a negative flavor to it, I guess, from a management standpoint, they look at maintenance, they go, Ooh, maintenance is spending a lot of money well, they're not making us any money because there's no metric to really measure how much money, you know, we're making or, you know, with the machines running. There's no like correlation, which kind of puts us in a negative light. Like we're expensive and they don't see why we're so expensive or how much good has come from that. It's, yeah, it's a necessary evil. It is expensive. We don't directly make product. We don't make money. But in turn, if we weren't there, you wouldn't make as much money or you would, you know what I'm saying? It's, or you'd lose a lot of money. Yeah, you would, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of got a negative feel to it a little bit from some, some manage. I'm not trying to, right, I'm sure right. somebody's going to hear this and go, well, I don't think that way, but right,
0: um, I'm well, just saying. I think that's, that's the thing, right? Is that th- this is one of the things I find so fascinating about it. And I, pe- I think people need to uh, rediscover generally in their own lives, but specifically with uh, manufacturing is, you know, the, it's here. I'll try out the theory. You tell me whether or not you think there's anything to it. Okay. The, the theory is that I think a lot of people have a hard time paying attention, we'll say. Right. Okay. And, and they, they're, they're pursuing the thing they're pursuing, say on the shop floor, it's your, a certain part you're making your product, whatever yeah, it is. And, and it's easy to connect that product to profit, you know, because you know, I make this, someone pays me that and it's there. Right. It's easy. I can this see margin it.
1: is the profit. Right? right.
0: Yep. Um, and it, but it's a little bit like looking at a machine or like, uh, like a car, you know, I have that gas pedal and this steering wheel. and I'm going in that location. And those are, I just, that's all I want to think about. The right. reality is is there's all this stuff under the hood. That's got to work. Right? right. In order for that to happen.
1: tires, brakes, you know, general stuff. You and if it works
0: it. well, then I, then great. I, right. I shouldn't have to think about it, but that doesn't mean there isn't relationships. You might say like invisible relationships. And right. I think with maintenance, it's like that too. I think, some people have a hard time saying, wow, this is expensive. Well, yes, but what we're doing is we're opening up the hood of your entire business and saying, see, all of these things are what's required for that business to work. Right. And if you're not paying attention right. to that, it is going to feel like it's money out the door, but it's not money out the
1: door. That's what it takes to create the thing that gets you the money. You got to, you got to plan for that. You know, you got to, as you were saying, like they see this part that they're making, they sell for this. This is their cost to make it. You gotta adjust that cost to make it to have that breakdown in there to have maintenance be a part of it. And a lot of people don't consider that. And you know, you gotta bring that. Oh, you don't make as much, but now when maintenance happens, you're not saying, "Ooh, that's an extra cost." It's oh, we we plan for this. You know? Yeah.
0: I, I I liken it a little bit to like people's attitudes towards things like trucking, right? Okay. You know, we're used to having all the things that we want in this world when we want it now, especially, oh. right? I mean, like, I can I can order this thing and have it on my doorstep tomorrow morning. Yep. But thanks, we're Amazon. not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but but thanks, thanks to the guys that, you know, maintain the vehicles that those, you know what I'm saying, and the guys that drive, people right. just aren't used to thinking that way. And there's a sense in which that's fine. But there's all this invisible... There's all these invisible inputs, and I'll say all these invisible types of genius that actually drive the thing that's happening that we're just not used to paying attention to. Oh, yeah.
1: I I understand. We hit, you know, add to cart, ship, and it's there the next day, but we don't think of how that package actually went from the warehouse to the front step. We just, we know the action that we took and the reaction that happened directly. You know, the package showed up on the step. Cool. I got what I paid money. They did what I wanted them to do. But we don't think about how every every step of that logistically is been engineered to be streamlined and, you know, efficient. Because think about it. I mean, Amazon has created their own shipping department. Like, they have their own for their products because they have that much to ship. And they get things, you know, two days. Like, that's pretty much unheard. I mean, I remember when uh, you know, shopping online became a thing or more popular. I got mm-hmm. not as old as the internet, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember when it became popular and you could start buying things off the internet. Oh, two weeks was a standard lead time for, you know, items. And that yep. was pretty good. Now we're complaining about two days, you know, oh, one day. Oh, you know, we can get that in one day, two days. That's just insane to me to think somebody can click a button and get it, but now it's become normal. And now people want things faster, you know, Oh, Hey, I can't, you know, why can't we have that same day? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. Like we went from two weeks to two days and that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, this, and I, you know, and there,
0: there's obviously that's a, it's a huge topic to talk about. Like when, you know, economies like that shift and what does that mean for, you know, jobs and all that. And that's a whole conversation to itself. <laughs> the thing that I think is um, that I try to focus on as a first thing in that is when you realize that something like, I mean, it's miraculous in a way, right? Right. And we, we, we like to think like, oh, it's, it was simply engineering or the robotics. And yeah, that's all of that, you know, the algorithms and all that. Those are amazing things. And we should, you know, be thankful in, in appropriate ways for those things. But the thing I like to do is, is draw attention to the fact that, wow, we can get something. Uh, we, we can, for example, have something ship so fast. Uh, that ought to create a sense of wonder in you and ought to make you think about, like, wow, who are all the people involved in order for me to have that magical thing happen? How and, many wow, hands did it have to go through mm-hmm. to get to your front step? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's
1: pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, yes. I mean, it's anyway. So, all that is to say that I think, you know, I tend to think when it comes to even things like machine maintenance, I think people would do well that wherever they are right now, there's a whole host of products. And a whole host of ingenuity had to happen to get it to them. And a whole host of machines had to be designed in order to create all the component parts for that thing. And those machines had to be built and those machines had to be maintained. Right. And people don't, people aren't used to looking at like a pen in my hand, right? How many steps did it take to make that pen, right? How many steps and how many types of, how many particular geniuses had to be involved in making sure that everything worked in order to get that to me?
1: Right, no, it's it's um, one thing that definitely I got a little bit more exposure when I was field service, going into all these different places, and it would be weird to go into a place, and they say, "Hey, we make whatever," but then I'll go to a place later on, and they go, "Hey, they're one of our customers," um, you know, we do this for them, and there's so many steps to one thing getting put, you know, go, there's multiple companies that do just one thing, you know what it is? It would be like, Hey, we, we do this for them. That goes to them. And then it goes to a different company. And then another company takes that and makes a product with it. You know, it's just like, we, we do this, you know, we put the finish on it. They put the holes, in you know, it just like, there's so many steps and, you know, we don't realize that as a consumer, I guess, you know, how many steps did something have to happen before it it got to you. It's it's just as if by magic, right? Yeah, it's I like, hit a button on my screen and it shows up. Well, even that, or you know, you're in the store and you look at stuff. You know, I was at a customer uh, with my old job in Wisconsin, and you know, I always ask them, "What what do you guys make here?" It's it's a nice, you know, softens the edges and kind of you know, everyone wants to talk about themselves, right? And uh, so they were telling me, and they're like, "Oh, we make um, we make the stuff to make ice cream containers." I'm like. What? And sure enough, I've been staring at this piece on their mill that I've been working on for, you know, six hours. As soon as he said that, I could see it without him saying that. Just look like a blob to me, you know. But yeah, they, they make the dyes that make the ice cream containers, you know, that, that you know, I'm like, wow, you know, it's... Someone's got to make it. You're right. You don't think about it. And then they also made um, machines that made paper cups and paper straws. Like wow, I didn't realize that's how it was done. You know, there's there's a lot in the background. You know, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Like everything that is out there is manufactured at some point. Yeah, and you just you don't think about the things. You know, you think about okay, vehicles. Everyone talks about like Ford and GM and oh, they got plants all over and we make parts for them. Yeah, but there's other things besides that to get manufactured. You know, people make parts for and then assemble somewhere else. So uh, the manufacturing is just a crazy interconnected world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
0: my kids and I have been watching this show um, on Amazon. Um, <laughs> and it's a, uh, this, this BBC show about uh, 19th century farming. Now, hold on. It gets better. Hold on. Oh, I'm and, holding uh, But it's actually a really fascinating show because uh, it's this uh, farm in England that um, these, I don't know, academics of some sort or the other who study Victorian age agriculture, what they decided they were going to do was they were going to spend a year living on this farm and working it with only the technology that the Victorians would have had. Okay. And what's really interesting about it is, um, as I've come to learn, the Victorian age was this age of, of huge advancements in agriculture because of the Industrial Revolution and you can okay. manufacture new things and invent new things. And, and so the show is as much about the, you might say, the manufacture of equipment to solve problems as it is about farming. And so it features all of these, you know, this was a machine that was invented in 1860 and look what it's able to do. And what's interesting about the show is it's easier to see that there was some farmer somewhere that said to themselves, you know what? If we were to do this with this tool that I had and made it to, if we could do this, mm-hmm. then it would yield this amount of output and it, may, it would make it easier for me to, you know, I'm not going to have as much backbreaking work in the field or whatever, right? So it's, it's a fascinating show. But one of the things I, I like about it is that we tend to be so distant from the way problems get solved through manufacturing, Right? That, right, It's hard for us to imagine, you know, with a straw or whatever like that. If you said to someone, "Hey, if you had to make a straw from scratch, right, what would you do?" I think most people would be like, "I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin." But someone had to begin, and someone right. had to build the dies, and someone had to build the machines, and right. And I think I, I, just I don't think enough time is spent on the appreciating how wonderful that is.
1: No, and and the advancements that manufacturing does bring also has its benefits in other areas, you know, as farther, you know, people push the limits of machinery and stuff and they make robotics and stuff, you know, it's also carried over into like the medical field and stuff, you know, Mm. oh, you can do a surgery with a robot now because it's so precise and it's so, you know, and it's less invasive now, you know, you can get into smaller areas and don't cut people open as much, you know, that technology had to start Somewhere, oh mm. it probably started you know manufacturing whether whether it was a direct you know uh, result of it or is it hey this this is manufacturing stuff hey let's use this let's refine this and make what we need for you know the medical field or whatever so I mean advancements in, in technology are just awesome in general for everybody mm-hmm. you know no one really and that's that's the interesting thing looking how far technology has come from even when I was a kid to now, it, it, like kids nowadays can appreciate it. You know, cell phones, right? Cell phones weren't popular when I was younger and they gained popular. You had a flip phone, you know, who that's nice. And then mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, you need the smartphone, with, you know, does all this stuff. Ki- you know, younger kids these days don't appreciate that. They just go, oh, yeah, it's my phone. It's part of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I know how to use it really well. I don't understand how it works, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and I think, Somebody in the maintenance field has to take that and say, "How does it work?" You know, it has has almost an engineering mindset. Yeah. Um, I don't and and actually look at stuff and say that that's awesome how they did that. Who would have thought to use you know this kind of signal and flip it like that and you know use it for cell phones for communication so everyone can have one in their pocket instead of having a landline and stuff. You know, it's just crazy how much technology has grown and you know, but everyone just gets focused on what it can do for them yeah. i think is I, I think that and that goes back to the amazon thing and uh, you know oh we we ordered it it can come in 2 days but no one realizes how big of a feat that is It's just that's how it is now yeah you know yeah.
0: it's everyone's interested in what technology can do for us but fewer people are interested in how it does it
1: yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the, the people we're looking for It's the people that say how, or why yeah. does it do this?
0: Well, tell me about that a little bit then. What, what do you think makes for, you know, a great, you know, if you're looking to bring people into, you know, maintenance
1: and manufacturing,
0: what, what qualities are you looking for?
1: I guess the curiosity quality, um, mainly. And, you know, I can just, I have some friends that are engineers for local companies here. And, they're generally pretty curious people, you know. Mm. Um I was just talking to one on the weekend and we were, you know, discussing how he's into, you know, he likes to do stuff outside of his work. You know, he likes to fix problems and, you know, he was, this is kind of stupid, but this is what he likes to do. But he was talking about his uh, drum set for rock band or whatever, the video game. He found out if you put bigger resistors in line to them, it makes it louder. It's more of an input. We were and then we had went us down the rabbit hole of, well, why does that work? You know, how does it register? You know, but we him and I are similar mindsets, you know, we take that curiosity and like to fix problems. Um, you know, if if a student was coming in, walking through the lab, you know, you'd be watching him to see, is he is he wanting to interact with it? Is he studying it or this is cool, you know, just looking around going, "Eh, you know, is he, is he wanting to go, Ooh, you know, what's that, you know, or I know how this works. Does this work almost like, you know, kind of, you know, bring it home to what he knows and says, yeah, this is kind of, you know, this is the same idea behind this as, you know, whatever, you know, it, it's, you just got to see that curiosity and how they can bring some, an idea back to what they know and, Mm. you know, make it familiar with them. That's, that's what at least I do. You know, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to manufacturing that I don't know. I have, you know, eight years experience and I'm going to, I'm not gonna lie. There's way more for me to learn, but you know, you, you have basic concepts that you do know and you look at something and go, how does this work? And then you figure out how to bring it back to a concept that you understand and know, Mm. and then it becomes less scary to you or, you know, Oh, We know what to do. We can do this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's to bring it back or figure out how the concepts you do know apply to something. And, you know, you think of mechanically, right? There's what? There's, I forget all the basic mechanical devices, right? The incline plane, you know, the lever and stuff like that. Those concepts are exactly how mechanical works. Just applied together or Mm -hmm. in different fashions. But they all come back to those basic mechanical devices i guess mm-hmm. you could say and if you know those devices you should be able to figure out how everything works you know mm-hmm. it's but you just got to get that farther back view you know step back go, okay what are we trying to accomplish and how does it do it okay you know yeah.
0: so yeah there's real magic in that i remember when i was a, a kid and i was studying to play the guitar and it was it just seemed like uh, very intimidating to me um, all the music theory and all the variations and the styles and, you know, techniques and blah, 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 blah. And then I re- came across this um, quote by a man named Les Paul, who, you know, is a god in the guitar world, right? I mean, the guitar's named after Les yes, Paul, right? I, wow, that's I'm Les from all right? I'm not in the guitar world, and I know it, so. And I, I, and, and he had said, uh, the line blew my mind because he says, well, uh, there's only 12 notes. <laughs> uh, oh, holy cow, he's right. That's right. There's only 12. Everything is just built on those 12 notes. There's just 12. Right. And all of a sudden it became freeing to me to think that this huge intimidating system of system of systems was really like, well, no, there's only 12. Don't be scared. There's 12 notes. It's just how you put them together. We're right? just going to put them together in different ways. And that's where we started. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's all of a sudden the the wonderfulness of music became accessible to me and i think the same thing is true when it comes to to machines there's so many principles very few of them right, right. so basically here are your six keys right these six keys will get you into all the doors right and You're all of a inv- sudden it's you know it should yep. be invigorating yeah
1: yeah no, it's don't be intimidated when you walk up to something that you've never seen before at some at some level you'll know what what it does you know it you know it's especially as you get more familiar with stuff you just you just get less intimidated by something you know people used to get, oh it's a big machine ooh, you know oh no it's gonna have things i don't know no it's the same things just bigger yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so it's you know don't be intimidated you gotta rely on what you do know and then and especially for uh for me like being in-house maintenance, comparing myself to the guys that were teaching me. Yeah, I never, it it was very, I didn't have a ruler to measure myself with or any metric, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, until I stepped out into the field service world and realized, oh, I I do know how to fix machines. Like I, I don't just know those machines I worked on or, you know, I'm just not going through the motions at the shop and I'm really riding on the, you know, the coattails of the other guys there. You know, you get out in the world and you're like, yeah, I, this, this is what they're looking for. And I'm, I, you know, matched up to it. I lined up to it. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was nice to get that um, gratification, I guess you could say. Of course, it's nice, right? But um, to actually figure out that you measured up, you mm-hmm. know, you actually knew what you knew. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it, and it's probably going to be hard for students coming in, you know, they know nothing they're going to have this huge learning curve. I shouldn't say huge, but they're going to have a learning curve and they're going to get in chops and the guys are going to be intimidating. You know, they're going to be, oh yeah, we did maintenance for 30 plus years. Oh, how do I live up to that? You know, just learn from them and, you know, realize at some point you do know what you know and you can, you can take that and go, you know, so. So
0: let me ask you a similar question, but almost the opposite. Like what are the sorts of qualities
1: that, you know, will doom you to, Crash and burn. So, thinking you know everything. Um, as soon as somebody tells you that they know everything, that don't listen to them. <laughs> that person, like I, I, I think you never stop learning as a person. Not only talking about trades in life in general about God and all that. You, there's just infinite information out there. No one, no one person can know it. Right. So. Thinking you I guess, overconfidence in your abilities are going to burn you. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to think you're a hot shot yeah, and you're going to do it. Also being really unsure of yourself. So the, we got two of spectrum or the ends of the spectrum, right? Being really unsure of yourself. You're not going to have confidence that the person working with you is not going to have confidence in you. They're not going to want to work with you. Or feel like they're safe around you. You know, if you're, oh, I think I turned off the power. I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, I, you, uh, you know, you got that. Oh, did I do it? Ooh, you know, touch that right, wire. Tell right. me if yeah, I turn the power it. off. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just a nine volt, you know, isn't it? So, you know, you got the opposite spectrum. Don't don't come in too cocky. Don't come in hot and go, yeah, hey, I got this. I'm, you know, big dog on campus. Don't come in going, ooh, uh, I don't know if I, is that right? You know, you gotta be confident, but humble, I guess, is a great, great terminology. And know that you can learn from anybody. I, I had to learn that lesson. Somebody can teach you anything. I, it, like, like I said, you are always learning. So even if you have the mindset, oh, I know more than this guy. I've worked with this guy before. He's not at the same level I am. You know, he's my helper on this job or whatever you wanna call it. But I, I'll tell you a story. I remember working with a guy and we were on an install doing something or, you know, we were working and I, I'm i like, you know, I was getting a little cocky, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm smarter than this guy. I know I am. I've been told by other people I am. And we were working and I went to do something. He goes, why are you doing it that way? So like, that's how you have to do it. He's like, well, you can do it that way. Just do it this way. And he shows me this super, super simple little trick to do it. And I was like, holy crap. Like I'm over here thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm way better than this guy, and he's teaching me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he's supposed to be the helper. He's supposed to be learning from me, but he's teaching me. So you've got to be open to those moments and not take that perspective. Like this guy's going to teach, or I'm teaching this guy. You know, be open to anything. Um, one of the guys at the tool and die shop said it really good: "Is I'm going to do it the way I do it, unless you can give me a better way to do it." I'm not saying he knows everything, but he he knows the way he does it is. Beneficient and can work for him. But if you can show him a more efficient way, he's all about that. He's mm-hmm. not close-minded to it, but he's going to do it the way he knows how to do it until shown a better way. Mm-hmm. And that's this kind of what you got to look at. You know, you got the tools and you can do it the way you know how to do it until somebody, whether it's, it is the janitor, you know, whether somebody else shows you a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. So never be close-minded to learning or thinking like, oh, Know this guy can't show me anything, just Mm -hmm. be ready to learn from anybody. And I I think that's a great lesson for life in general is you know, take a life lesson from a little kid, you know, saying, you know, with no filter and sees it, you know, the world completely different. Mm -hmm. It's it's just clarity, and it's like, wow, that's not tainted with, you know, oh, I'm worried about my job or anything. You know, it's just, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) So
0: here you are, you're at Harmel now. Yep. Talk us a little bit about your own thought process and, and moving from being in the field to sort of training the next generation of guys that would do what you've spent so much time doing.
1: Yeah. So like I said, I, I got out there and I, I was measured and I knew that I could do this stuff. And I and I know that there's a huge need for maintenance or field service. Um, it's The trades are kind of dying and hopefully this Harmel will bring it back. Um, so I know, I know the stuff and I'm, you know, know there's a need and I'm also looking forward to challenging myself, but also learning. And I'm, I'm, I'm going into this experience saying not what I can teach the guys is what I can learn from the guys. Mm No, I, I'm looking to grow, you know, spiritually. Um, you know, it, there's been a little bit of stagnant there, you know, and you get complacent and I know that and Unfortunately, I don't do anything about it, but this is my move to kind of help me come back there um and then also just you know see different perspectives and learn from the guys i'm I'm really excited to you know see what I can do in, in a different realm. you know this is yeah, the machine and and it's and it's gonna be weird for me because it's not gonna be like instant gratification, and that's one thing that draws you to the machine you know repair is, hey, this is broken, I fixed it, you know it's really cut and dry whether you did it, you know? Mm. Um, something like this, where teaching, you know, you won't know right away. You know, it it could be like three years down the road after the guy had finished, graduated, and, you know, he comes back and says, hey, thanks for teaching me. I've made a career, I'm now head of maintenance. You know, the guy retired, they gave it to me because, you know, I, I was doing so well. You know, you, that's what I'm hoping, right? But that, that gratification won't happen. There's a huge separation from, Knowing that you've accomplished something from the time you've done it, so it's going to be a little bit different. But that's what I'm kind of hoping is I can learn a lot from these guys, and they can take away some good information and move forward and make careers out of it. So yeah. you talk about
0: sort of like the spiritual development. One of the things I find um, <laughs> a very interesting, hopeful, you know, God willing, providential, even um, about machine and systems tech being the first program for Harmel is because like we we're talking about earlier when you think about something like maintenance a lot of people don't like paying attention to it don't pay attention to it think there's something you know less exciting or wonderful about it uh, they so they just overlook it and you know it's it's i think it's very it's very similar in the spiritual life because what we what we like to believe the spiritual life is are these you know the the big wins right so right. We, in the same way that we like to think about the economy or, uh, or inventing or uh, technological advances, we'd like to think about Silicon Valley, right, right or the guys in the labs. And you don't think about the maintenance or the truckers or anything like that, which is actually, in a sense, more critical. In the same way, in the spiritual life, we like to think about, like, you know, the clear moments of consolation, the clear winds, the big pivotal things. We don't like to think about, like, the maintenance. You know what right. I mean? When in fact, like, there's a sense in which the games won or lost, if you can speak that way, the games won or lost in the maintenance, right? Right. And whether or not, you know, uh, th- there's a certain predictive, there's a preventative maintenance in the spiritual life too, right? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and, and I, I think, you know, and then there's also like putting out fires right. as yeah. well. And sometimes, you know, oh man, I really wish, And think 2020 is a, a great experience of this, right? Oh man, I really wish I would have gotten into this habit or that habit um and now we better be learning the lesson. Oh my goodness, I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't change the oil of my spiritual life, you know, right, right. Uh, and now I'm paying the price for it. I think that there's a sort of a natural coupling to some of the things that well frankly we all need to learn, but hopefully our students will learn well. I think there's a natural coupling between the notion not only of the requirements of maintenance but the wonder of maintenance and how that applies spiritually as well obviously we're more than machines but there's an analogy to be drawn here that yeah it's great to it's great to hang out on the big wins in the spiritual life those are the things you you kind of wish you had or liked it but those only come as the result of the hard work and
1: the maintenance that got you there right
0: so i'm really excited about that too
1: that's a a really good parallel uh and way to root it Especially for the students, you know, if they're learning this stuff, if you can root, spear out, spirit, spirituality, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the word I can't say, no big deal. Um, we can root that, um, then you know, maybe it can drive it home, and and then they won't have that stagnant point in there, or they get, get complacent. You know, they'll they'll yeah. realize the value of doing it daily and, and and living it, so to speak, instead of just saying we got the win. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, it's like it's like looking at the game recap versus actually playing the game. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, you know, times that, Oh, that play didn't go anywhere. That didn't happen. You know? Oh, but in the recap, you get all the highlights, right? You go, Oh, we got the touchdown and Oh, we won, you know, but it was close. You know? Yeah. It's, it's more of, you got life is playing the game and it's all the, the good and bad, you know, they score one, we score one, but in the end, the scoreboard better be, in our favor. And, you know, but we're, we're not always going to see the recaps. Yeah.
0: No, that's exactly right. There's, I I think people have gotten out of the habit of finding not just the value, but the wonder in that, in the everyday little things. That's really, that's where the games won or lost. Right? Right. Right. As, as you
1: say, it's it's almost like going to the gym, right? You say you're going to go to the gym tomorrow, right? Well, you never do it today. Same thing with spiritual life. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really have to pray tonight. Like, yeah, I'll just, I'm just really tired. Work was crazy, but oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's like, oh, okay. You lose one battle like that. You start losing more, you start losing more. And then you realize you haven't done it or whatever, you know, yep. you, you haven't done it for so long. And that's, and that's really what happened to me is, you know, growing up or you know, after I got out on my own, I was, I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't have to go to church today. Like, ah, is you know, I got something to do with my friends. You know, next thing you know, you, you skip church for two months. And you're like, well, that's not good. You know? you're right, like, right. You got to get, but you got to get that perspective to get you back and realize, oh, that's no, we need to start going again. I'm not advocating don't go to church. Let's, right, right, Let's, right. let's, let's <laughs> throw that back out there. But you know it. I, I see how it can happen, and hopefully rooting it, like I said, will help them, you know, hey, I'll, you know, make plans with my friends, but I'll plan it after church or around church, you know, not saying don't plan stuff with your friends, have friends, have, you know, fun, you know, do stuff, but prioritize, you know, it's, this has to happen first, then this, you know, and so on and so forth. Yep.
0: Hey, thanks for listening everyone. I hope you're as excited as we are about what's happening at Harmel Academy. Having Kyle here has been months in coming and we're so excited and we'll be shortly introducing you to another fellow who's just joined our faculty. And now that the rest of our inaugural class will be moving onto campus in just a matter of days. Well, we have a whole lot to thank the good Lord for. And not least of all, we are thankful for all of you out there who have and continue to support our work by listening to this podcast by sharing our work with others and helping us raise the money we need to continue to build this school and speaking of which if you or anyone you know is looking to make a little year-end gift we hope that you will remember harmel in your year-end giving it's only through your support that we do what we can do and you can make that gift at harmelacademy.org thanks so much and have a very merry christmas